Hello, Blackhawks fans. Welcome to episode 39 of the Four Feathers podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Nani, joined tonight by Tony Marchese and Ron Luce. We've also got special guest, Blackhawks D-Zone, Austin, joining us. Guys, time to crack them and get caught up on the Hawks. Gentlemen, welcome back. It has been a little bit. Tony and I did a little bit of a quick episode um, after the McDonough firing news. But hey, it is good, guys, I will say, to have four people on this call for the first time in what feels like forever. Um, Ron, welcome back. How are you doing, man? I'm good, man. It feels good to be back. I feel like I haven't podcasted with you guys in God knows how long. This, this whole quarantine thing's got us all over the place. So, But it's good to be back, man. How are you guys? Yeah, Ron, I'm doing well. Um, like you said, it's been a while since we've all been together because when it goes off to baseball, you're on Cubs, Tony and I are on White Sox. So um, it has been a while. Um, obviously, no games to discuss. Uh, that will change in a little bit here with the Hawks Rewind. We've got all of that news coming up uh, in the segment here. But, uh, Tony, uh, before we let our uh, you know first-timer introduce himself here, how are you doing, man? Johnny, I'm doing well, about as well as you can during these times uh alcohol helps uh that's why we're cracking them we're drinking beers tonight we're gonna talk a little hockey i'm just happy to be back on the microphone and i'm really excited uh for the uh the fourth person that we've got on the mic tonight just to pick his brain a little bit on some of this stuff uh our newest member of blackhawks coverage over at on tap sports net that's blackhawks d zone austin he is joining us tonight for his uh his first time on a podcast so cheers to you buddy Right on. Thank you, guys. I uh, I remember when you reached out to me about a year ago on Twitter, and I was like, oh, man, that sounds awesome. But I just didn't have the time. Uh, now, with the way the world is and we're all working from home, I figured, you know what, now's the time to start writing again. And I, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be on with you guys. I've been a fan for a while, so it's it's nice to be here. Yeah, Austin, uh, thank you for joining us, first of all. And second of all, we've been a fan of you for a while as well. Um, you know what, uh, Tony was the one that came across you. Um, we, we had seen your work on Twitter, and we were kind of astounded that you didn't have more followers because you're always posting good information, um, especially related to Blackhawks defensemen, hence your Twitter handle, Blackhawks D Zone. Um, and then also highlights and clips and good commentary um, as you're watching the game, a good follow um, during Blackhawks game. So can you just give us a little bit of background um, on yourself? We will get more deep into the actual hockey nitty gritty stuff, uh, background about you. But uh, just give us a general background before we jump into our news topics here. All right. So I uh, grew up in South Bend, Indiana, about 15 minutes from Notre Dame. Uh, so I grew up a big Notre Dame fan, still am. Uh like a lot of kids growing up in the 90s, I was a big Avalanche fan. Uh, Patrick Waugh was kind of like my hero at the time. I wanted to be a goalie for some reason because I thought they had cool pads. Um, it wasn't until about 2005 or six that I really became a Blackhawks fan, uh, starting to play NHL video games with like Eric Daze and Tyler Arneson and Kyle Calder and Javi Bulin when I realized, you know what, I, I think – I should be a Blackhawks fan because they're the closest to me. So that's kind of how it got started. Uh, currently living in California, moved out here with my wife, but still representing uh, the Blackhawks and a lot of Chicago teams. So, Yeah, that's really cool, man. Um, it, it was 
you know, interesting that you say that, you know, you're from California, because if you just follow Austin on Twitter, you wouldn't be able to tell. Um, he is dialed in uh, night in, night out, um, watching this thing, even being uh, a couple time zones removed. So um, we are glad to have him along. Um, props to Tony for finding him uh, and wrangling him in. It was a process. It was a process of about a year, uh, as Austin had mentioned earlier, uh, getting him to join. But uh, he's done great work uh, for us in the Blackhawks department over at ONTAP Sportsnet ever since he came over a little over a month ago. So, um, Austin, we're glad to have you. Um, like any normal Four Feathers show, though, uh, now that we've got your intro out of the way, we start with news. Um, and big news on the Blackhawks front recently is that the current hockey operations could remain the same for the 2020 NHL draft. Uh, Pat Boyle on Tuesday's episode of the Blackhawks Talk podcast said that as of now, what I'm hearing expect the current hockey ops group led by Stan Bowman to handle the upcoming draft and that no new president is named over the next few months and maybe up to six months. So um, guys, obviously uh, pretty impactful after the initial breaking news that Tony and I had discussed uh, last episode of four feathers uh, and John McDonough being fired. So uh, I wanted to get thoughts on this. Let's go round table in that same order. We'll start with Ron and toss it around to Tony and then Austin. Yeah, I think I think that's an interesting concept, right? I mean, it's really hard to imagine, at least going forward, that the current front office is going to look the same even with a new president, because usually a new president comes in and wants to make their own changes. I think see, you know, see team that shares the United Center with the Hawks and the Bulls. I mean, they completely clean house. Um, so it almost feels like in a lot of ways, whoever this new president is already kind of a year behind on doing what they want to do on their agenda, because you're the old regime or what we think will be the old regime is going to be having to handle the draft. I guess I get it just because, you know, I don't know how quickly they can move to get anybody in place, but, um, I'm not happy about it at least. So hopefully, I don't know. I Stan is such a weird creature to me lately that I just I hope he just doesn't screw it up. Do they know what they're doing? That's my question. Do they know what they're doing? Because in my, in in just my line of thinking here, you get rid of your president and John McDonough just randomly in the middle of a league shutdown due to a pandemic. And then it comes out that you're going to take that much time to go evaluate who you want to bring in to run this thing. And you have a very impactful event coming up in June in the draft. Was the McDonough firing planned or did this was this tension that boiled over and now they don't know where the fuck they're at? That's that's my question with this whole thing. I'm going to leave it at that because that's where I'm at with it. Yeah, Austin, you wrote up the uh, news on this one, so I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. So I'll, I'll play a little bit of a devil's advocate, I guess, here. Not a lot of people backstand, but uh, I'll take this one for him. Uh, I, th- I think it makes sense when it comes down to a, a drafting standpoint. Um, in, in the past, it's been more about his trades that, that have kind of upset the fan base and have kind of made you – kind of lose faith in, in what they're doing. But drafting-wise, I mean, they find picks in the second round better than a lot of teams. Like Ian Mitchell was a second-round pick. Uh, Brandon Saad was a second-round pick. Alex Debrinkit was their second-round pick. Um, so when it comes to drafting players, I think 
they they have an idea of what they're doing and to to bring someone in from the outside at this point just would not make sense um whether or not they go with someone from the outside of the organization who knows but i think for the time being they they have a plan and they're going to stick with it at least for the next what six months and then we'll see what happens yeah, I think there's two two sides to this, um, and obviously we've got both of those represented um, in our little roundtable there. Um, I'll just kind of leave things in the middle here uh, and my thoughts. Uh, one, kind of like a, you know, Tony had a couple questions in response to that. I have another question, too. Is Danny Wirtz uh, trying to make this, you know, kind of like a face for him? Um, is that what this is, just kind of delaying it and using the process as a sort of, uh, you know, chance a foot in the door for him so to say um but at the on the same hand um i also agree that that's a lot of turnover both internally for just the logistics uh, of a hockey operations department uh, to bring in a new president and then have all of that information all set up ready to go for the draft and i will say another thing too just another comment on that um yeah the draft sure is still was originally scheduled for june i believe it was 26th 27th um we don't know if that's actually going to take place. Um, don't know if they're going to do something virtual like the NFL utilized. Um, we don't know if it's going to get postponed um, because they're also another news topic that we're going to get into in a little bit here um, is Gary Bettman not backing down on continuing and finishing this 2020 season. So um, a lot of variables at play here, I think. But um, at the same time, I if I were to, if you you know, told me that I had to take a stance on this. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world because of all the turnover that was there. And then also uh, the draft history, um, like Austin had mentioned there. So um, just, it's just interesting. I feel like this kind of you get both sides of it, uh, no matter where you go on Hawks Twitter um, and just talking amongst Blackhawks fans uh, anywhere. Um it's just interesting. It is, like Tony had said, a very interesting timing uh, with this. Who knows if there was a rift that finally, you know, was the uh, straw that broke the camel's back. Um, who knows if it was uh, planned, premeditated. So um, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how this thing plays out. And I could honestly see the uh, NHL draft being postponed, too. So uh, that may be another factor that gives them some more time if they find someone they like uh, in that period. Um the got to remember this initial quote was coming from Pat Boyle. So this is what we're going off of on the Blackhawks insider podcast, uh, not calling them chills or anything like that. Um, but you know, it, it is pretty media, uh, official blue check Mark line, uh, that we're following there. So, uh, let's move on. Uh, next bit of news here was the AHL season being canceled. So, um, color cup playoffs officially canceled as well. Uh, Ice Hogs, the Blackhawks affiliate in the AHL, finished uh, 29-32-2 with 60 points, uh, tied for fourth in the Central Division with the Chicago Wolves. Um, Ron, I know you uh, cover the Wolves for the, over at the rink. Uh, any thoughts on Rockford's season as this is now officially donezo? Yeah, Rockford had a tough year. I mean, just especially from the aspect of, you know, Doc wasn't going to be eligible to play. Anyway, and, and obviously he made the team, but Folkfist was up. So they, they kind of lacked really any groundbreaking prospects on their roster. Um, you know, they had a couple of guys that were having okay seasons, but they just were having a really weird year. I mean, you know, I think Derek King is a pretty good head coach. Um, I think he's he had that team going in the right direction. They kind of were trending toward the end of the season, too. Um, they were actually in a much worse spot earlier in the year. I think they were as low as like, oh, I think there's what, eight teams in that division. I think they were like seventh at one point. 
Um, so for them to kind of battle back and get all the way to being tied for fourth and actually having a shot at the playoff picture, because for those that don't know in the AHL, it's the top four in every division that make it. Um, you know, I think I think they had a pretty nice year. Um, and who knows? I mean, if they were able to just continue in a normal season, they might have been able to kind of be that dark horse and make the playoffs as that fourth seed in the Central. So, um, you know, it kind of sucks. I mean, it's... It, I guess it's nice for the AHL just because they can kind of reset now and figure everything out. And, you know, I, I can, I'll tie that into my take then about what Batman said too, but um, yeah, good year for them, you know, overall, especially just how they battled back. But, um, you know, hopefully next year, I mean, if Mitchell doesn't make the team, you know, seeing him down in Rockford would be cool. Um, but I, I find that hard to believe. I think he'll be up with the Hawks next year. So they'll probably lack, Another year of lacking any you know, groundbreaking talent with the Rockford Ice Hogs, unfortunately. Yeah, Tony, I know you're not too huge uh, into the prospects, but anything in general on the cancellation of the AHL season and possible implications for what that could mean for not only hockey, but other sports in general? Because this is one of the first ones that we've really heard news on this thing, you know, being shut down officially. Yeah, that's exactly where I go with this one. Uh, just from a from a very broad sense, the first league to cancel and say we're not going to restart uh, that should in fact have a domino effect now you look at what's going on with minor league baseball are they going to play are they not going to play you saw some conflicting reports that were out there if you follow that situation closely enough there's conflicting reports there I kind of look at the AHL in parallel to minor league baseball in that they they don't play so often in, in the major cities, they kind of have the same kind of populace um, of people who would be attending these games and, and so forth. Um, the AHL saying, hey, we're, we're done. That's it. I think that does have some ramifications down the line. Yeah, it's a, it's a minor league team. But once it's acceptable now to say we're not going to crown a champion, we're not going to have playoffs, we're just cutting this short right now. And, and we're done, it's easier. It's an easier pill to swallow for leagues going forward. Um, and I think the ramifications of it aren't so much as uh, what that would be in other sports. You already saw over three-fourths of the hockey season completed. Um, so I don't think you lose as much development time as you do across maybe the NBA, MLB, um, or, or NFL in that matter, where you start seeing players not being able to develop. They got that developmental year. I think that time is kind of on the AHL side in this stance where you can come back next year. Those players aren't really going to notice too much of a difference. So I think it was kind of an easy decision for them to make in, in this situation to just say, hey, we're done, because you did get players up until mid-March. Uh, playing hockey games and so it's not like you're going to miss that whole entire year of revenue if you're an owner it's not like you're going to miss that year of development if you're a player it, I think it was an easy call for them but it does set a precedent a good point Tone um, anything both uh, on the ice hog season itself and the general cancellation of the HL Austin yeah I think I mean minor sports in general they they rely on their fans I mean, you have season ticket holders who go to these Rockford games and AHL games who are just diehard fans. And if you don't have the fans, I mean, there's there's not a lot there uh, left. And I think a, an interesting point that's been made kind of around the NHL 
the past week or so is is expanding the rosters of these NHL group teams. Um, and, and that might be something to kind of look at as we go forward if they do resume the season is, is will they kind of uh, extend how many players you can carry on your roster moving forward? And that, that might also play a, a major role in why they canceled that moving forward. I mean, it, it is what it is. I think they had to make the decision. And, and like Tony said, it's, it's definitely a domino effect and we'll, we'll see what happens next. Yeah, for sure. Um, I had a comment on the season itself. Um, I thought it was interesting uh, to me to see Colin Dahlia kind of start out slow, then have Kevin Lankinen uh, be an all-star uh, for the AHL. You represent the only uh, Rockford representative there uh, to start the season. But then that script kind of flipped uh, at the end. So obviously you don't like to see Lankinen decline by any means, but uh, Colin Dahlia really stepped up down the stretch and he was their number one. So um, with the Blackhawks having so many questions at the goaltender position, I think that Dahlia trending in the right direction. Sure. You'd have liked to see him close the season out, but at least he was able to end on a high note. So, um, and we saw him up in the uh, NHL, not this past season, but the season before uh, filled in formidably for a period of time um, with the various injuries that they had to Corey Crawford and uh, only Cam Ward being there as well. So, so um, that, that was just one uh, takeaway that I had from Rockford season. And then I, I think Tony made a good point um, about this could possibly be a domino effect uh, for other sports, not, not just hockey itself. But um, that, that kind of brings us into the state of what the NHL will be then uh, in our next news topic here. And uh, Gary Bettman, he joined a San Jose Sharks uh, Business Alliance virtual town hall yesterday, um, that being Tuesday, May 12th. And he said, canceling the season is something I'm not even contemplating. Um, and to paraphrase here, he said, if the right time comes with the right circumstances, um, the season will, you know, uh, we'll get the season done. Uh, it says he doesn't want to sound too over the top, but uh, canceling is too easy of a solution. Uh, means you stop working hard to do all the things that you're doing already. Um, and he said, I ultimately believe that there will be an opportunity because states are reopening, uh, cities are reopening. And he says, if they do the right things, uh, they'll be able to finish the season. Uh, my first one here, you guys can see it in the notes but i'll air it out for our listeners Uh, i said i don't know about that one chief uh insert that gif in in there if this is visual um i have many a question Uh, i like the positivity of of course i'd love to see hockey return uh but i just don't know about the realistic logistics of it so ron let's pass it round table once again yeah i don't i don't agree with this method unfortunately i think the nhl should take a page out of the ahl's book here and just regroup and and try and start game planning logistically for next season you know it's gonna throw everything off i mean let's hypothetically say you're playing in july so now free agency is going to be later you know and the draft is going to be later and then are you really going to expect these guys to turn around in a month and come back to training camp for the next season and it doesn't make any sense. And especially if it's this expanded format where 24 teams are playing in this playoff. Like, the entire, almost the entire league is going to be gassed going into next season. Like, you really want that for the product when you can hopefully have fans back at the start of the next season? This is an, it's probably going to be a no-fan tournament. Like, I don't know. I just, I'm not a big fan. At this point, I would almost rather them just do business as usual. Call it a season. Let's have the draft at the end of June. Let you know, July 1st come and free agency frenzy begin and, and at least give the fans that. I mean, look at what the NFL has at least, you know, obviously NFL season is different, but, you know, the draft was a huge success for the NFL. You know, free agency was a huge success because that's been the only thing sports because they're not on the field. So why not at least just start preparing for next season and then you can still have that fan hysteria over the summer like you you every other summer with the offseason moves. So, 
I I love Bettman's persistence and and trying to do good, you know what they think is best. But at this point, I say forget it. Just take a page out of the AHL's book. Uh, I respectfully disagree with Ron here on this one. I think uh, the closure of this season means a lot in a symbolistic manner. Uh, just for people who are are fans of the game, uh, affected by uh, what's going on in the world right now. I think the ability to start your sport, whether that be hockey, baseball, basketball, football, right now, and, and the challenge that all of these leagues are facing, they're racing to be the first sport back in commission. They're, they're racing for that because I think whichever league is successful in providing entertainment for their fans and for, you know, just, just people in general has a, a lot of benefits to gain from that. If you can pull this off successfully right now and like just I, I look across and I go like, ESPN just picked up KBO baseball and there are people staying up until midnight or 3 a.m. to watch these games. And right now, imagine if we all got to talk about the Stanley Cup playoffs, the world would be fucking immersed in this shit. So if Gary Bettman can find a way to get a tournament of 24 hockey teams and the whole fucking world is watching playoff-style hockey, that is fucking huge for this sport. So that's where I look at this, is if you can do this the right way, if you can get this and you can showcase hockey to the world, whether that be in June or July or August, because they're the first league playing, I think that's a huge opportunity for hockey to just grow as a sport so there's a lot at stake here and you see the mlb trying to rush to put something together hockey's in the unique situation you don't have a labor dispute in the middle of it right now to get this thing going if you want to stage a tournament in arizona and florida you can do that right now or after may 15th when they said they'll they'll open up for for professional sports so you can kickstart this thing right now if you're the NHL and literally be the pinnacle sporting event going on every night on everybody's TV because you know people are going to watch it. So that's where I'm at with this. I think that's where they're looking at it as. So, I mean, there, there's a golden opportunity for hockey right now, and if they can grab it, they should. This just in. Tony does not boo Batman. Wow. First, first ever, I think. All right, uh, Austin, awesome. Uh, I love the conflicting takes. Let's get yours. All right, so I uh, this is a tough one because you want to see hockey, and and you, I mean, we're we're fans, we're selfish, and we want to see our favorite players play and and watch our our teams play so that we can talk and and have fun watching them get drunk, you know, with your buddies. But I I think what it comes down to is is like the player side of this too. I mean, a lot of these guys have families and, and kids right now who are stuck at home, I mean, teaching them basically. So I, I know a lot of reports have come out that players have said, you know what, 
if it comes down to like these hub cities, whether it be Arizona or Las Vegas, whatever they're thinking, that a lot of them have kind of gone back and said, you know, no, we're, we, we can't do that. We can't be away from our families for a, a three or four month period um, and be in isolation kind of. So, I mean, I, I appreciate Bettman um, being positive, like we've said. I, I think it's he's the leader and he he's the one that's got to say positive. Um, but I, it, it's so it's such a crazy situation right now that who knows what they do. I mean, every day you get new reports coming out about what's going to happen. So whatever we we think we know today could change tomorrow. So I, I'm, I agree with the June draft. I think it should happen. I think um, the prospects deserve that. They've been working their whole lives for this. I think let's get the draft going and, and start from there and, and we'll figure out the conditional picks and and all that stuff as we go. But I, hockey in the near future, I, I don't see it happening. I think just go ahead with the draft and, and go from there. Yeah, so um, as much as I would love to see hockey back, and I think that's all of us at our core, like Austin said, we're selfish. We want to see it. Um, but I go to the logistics. I'm the logistics man. Uh, Ron and Tony know that. I think Austin is learning that over here at ONTAP Sportsnet. Um, it's a logistical nightmare. That's a term I've used on socks on tap. That's a term that I've used here on Four Feathers. Um, if I haven't too much in the past, you'll start hearing that more um, as we're talking during this COVID pandemic. Um, getting all of this together uh, would be, uh, for some reasons that Austin listed, like the players' uh, un- unwillingness and not wanting to take them away from their families uh, if these were to be played in hubs. Um, absolutely logistical nightmare. Uh, scheduling, um, that's another one. Uh, God bless the schedule makers. That would just be unbelievable, uh, especially if you're going to do a 24-team tournament um, like has been at least floated uh, one of the proposals. I mean, there's been a million and a half proposals, it seems like. Um, but it, I, I just think it's too much to overcome. Um, and uh, you can just call me negative for that right off the bat, but that's fine. I'll wear it. I'll own it. Um, I've always been that way because um, you got to think about planning. you got to think about logistics, and I just say logistical nightmare will uh, eventually make this thing not be able to happen so uh, if you want a prediction for me there it is Uh, i don't think it will happen but um at least right now i guess we still have hope something to cling on here Uh, i don't want to be all down in the dumps because we could all use some positivity uh during these quarantine times uh well we can't go out and meet up with friends and you know do all the things that we're used to doing normally but uh unfortunately i think we're just gonna have to turn the page on this one uh it sucks that we won't be able to award the stanley cup but uh you know it is what it is. Uh, you got to deal with the situation at hand and getting back would just be way too much of a challenge that uh, I think it would be rushed and not uh, for the greater benefit of the sport in the long term, um, if that makes sense. So um, the one other thing, just a, a side note on this, uh, if this were, let's all throw all that, all of our opinions or takes on that out. Um, say this were to resume one of the proposals, in Austin, you had said that Pierre LeBrun noted in his article yesterday that a 24-team playoff would probably be the best-case scenario right now. Well, guess what? The Blackhawks are the 23rd-ranked team with the Montreal Canadiens being 24th. Um, no no question that uh, there's a little bit of extension to that number 24 to get those two teams in there. But uh, if they were to make this thing, um, man, I think that would be uh, interesting, to say the least. Uh, thoughts on that if the Blackhawks were say this were this is all hypothetical if they were um, in a tournament like this Ron 
Oh, it'd be unbelievable. I mean, I, I, I won't deny the fact that the, the quality of the product, if executed correctly, wouldn't be fantastic. Um, it's just like you said, I, I just think the, the logistics of it just creates a bigger issue, um, unfortunately. And, you know, and I think the biggest thing that would you and just this is the negative that I have is just the way everything's been going. You know, as soon as one player tests positive, shit hits the fan, you know, because then all of a sudden, how is the tournament going to continue going? You know, who's been exposed? You know, does that team have to forfeit in the tournament because they're all COVID-19 testing positive and can't play for 14 days? Like, that's the that's where I have the tough time figuring it out is like, I would love the tournament. You know, if the circumstances was like, oh, hey, we can't have people in the stands, but you know, we can, we found a way to keep these players healthy, you know, in some magical way. And that'd be great. But it's just like, like the product itself would be awesome. I agree with everything Tony said, just how great it would be for the sport and just the amount of attention it would draw and how radical and different it is. But ah, just, I don't know. There's so many, again, I'm, I'm taking a page out of negative Nani's book here and just, you know, I just, I don't know. I just want, <laughs> I just want everything to go back to semi-normalcy again and just sports to be back. And, you know, and I know everybody's working on it and it's, it's nice knowing at least that Batman's trying and he's, you know, they're trying to figure something out, but you know, how, just, there's how so many the what Hawks, ifs. How far are the Hawks going? Say this does actually happen. Uh, well, I guess I, I'd be intrigued to see what the style is. Would it be like one place 24 and then go that way type deal? I guess that's yeah. I'm not, the, I'm not sure on the that. not sure on the layout here. I saw some just uh, uh, you know, like I said, like Austin said, there seems like there's new development every day. But I saw one with the proposed layout, like the Blackhawks would be playing the Stars. I don't know if that would be like best of three first, or if it's just like single elimination to start. Um, but say that's a matchup. How far are we going? Are we getting past the Stars? I think we could get past the Stars. It would start concerning me if you know, especially if there's no whole who's on what side type deal. If it's not East versus West, it would it would make things interesting when teams like Boston and you know Tampa and those teams come along. And if the Hawks had to play them early, I I don't feel good about that. But you know, and it's just yeah. no. I mean, I think they could. I think they could surprise a couple of people and maybe win a round or two. But from there, I don't know how well they would be able to do. They're just so. De- I felt like they're so depleted. You know, I mean, and it, the only thing with this tournament is like. I don't think it's. I don't think like Dahan would be healthy by then. I don't think Seabrook would be healthy by then. Seabrook definitely won't be healthy by then. You know, there's there's still some guys from injury. You know, who knows if Shaw would be healthy? I mean, I guess the Hawks at full strength could surprise some people, but you know, I don't know for sure. Tony, any quick thoughts on that? Dustin Bufflin's going to be healthy by then, and they're going to re-sign him because Bowman always gets his man. <laughs> There's, Hawks, a, there's a hot take. Hawks, take. By, <laughs> Hawks by 90, At as least. Johnny would say. Um, no, uh, you know, actually, I think I think if we get into this tournament and we're playing some games, I think Dominic Kubalik is a household name, not only in Chicago, but across the fucking nation. Because you know that guy's lighting the lamp at least three or four times in uh, a five-game or seven-game series. And they're going to be pretty clutch goals. So I think that would be good for him, but I'm going to go back to something I've said on this show many times. 
when you have Patrick Kane on the ice, anything can fucking happen. And if you get Patrick Kane hot for like a three-week stretch, you could see this team cruise into maybe the uh, the the final eight, final four. It's not out of the realm of possibility. If Corey Crawford comes back hotter than any other goaltender, Patrick Kane starts lighting the lamp. You get maybe Andrew Shaw back in there for a playoff series. Who knows what can happen? I don't know. Screw them out of a good draft pick that they need right now? Hell yeah, it does. (laughs) Are they going to win the cup? Probably not. But would it be entertaining? Can we enjoy some beers and some uh, Blackhawks on tap postgame shows? Some crazy shit happens? Yeah. But I take that right now because I need something. So Need to feel something. Yeah, yes. uh, I'm with you there, uh, Austin. I, as you guys have been talking, I've been like picturing like Blackhawks versus Stars at the Gila Riva, River Arena in wherever it is, Glendale, Arizona. With no fans, like Jim Corneliuson will what like Zoom call his national anthem and we all cheer. Like I, I, like I want it so bad, but it just does not. It doesn't make sense. Like at the end of the day, like it, it would be like watching people play video games. Like it, I, I don't know. I want it so bad, but there's like the the we don't get stranglehold. We don't get. Like home playoff games, you don't, I don't know, you don't rush to the bathroom at intermission and talk with your buddies while you're taking a piss talking about what happened in the period. Like, it just wouldn't be the same. But hockey's hockey. We'll see what happens. I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I just a thought really quick, and we got to move on to our next thing here. But uh, just really quick, uh, I'm with Tony in that if Patrick Kane is going to come back, no matter, no, you could wake him up at the middle of the night at like 3 a.m., and he'd be ready to go and dangle, and he'd put up, you know, two points in a game, no problem, on someone. Like, that that's the one thing that would be, like, the saving grace here. Uh, I'd say they were actually to get back and play a 2014 tournament, and the Blackhawks are in it. So that's what kind of gives you hope. And like Tony had said, yeah, you're probably screwing yourself out of a better draft pick that they need. But, man, um, for us to be able to sit here, watch that, uh, you know, talk about it and uh, recap it on Blackhawks on tap post game shows. That would be awesome. I don't see it. Like I said, I go back always to the logistics. That's what you said on that. Hang on but, one yeah. second. I got, I got one last thing to add. Could you imagine the parade that would not happen with Lori Lightfoot standing in front of Jackson Avenue with a thousand hundred Hawks fans ready to party? <laughs> <laughs> Wild shit. Yeah, he exactly. Rides. He rides. This <laughs> needs to happen right now. Oh, great. All right, let's move on. Um, while we don't know the status of hockey coming up, uh, you know, for the summer, uh, we will at least get to relive uh, the 2013 Stanley Cup run. Uh, Hawks Rewind, that's right, it's back. Uh, it's starting May 18th um, on NBC Sports Chicago. It will air uh, all 16 wins from that 2013 Cup run. Uh, it starts, like I said, on May 18th, runs through June 2nd. Uh, a little different this time. Uh, last time they were kind of alternating nights with Bulls Rewind games, so they were at 7 p.m. every night and kind of did uh, every other night a couple back-to-backs, but then... Um, now it's just going to be at 4 p.m. every day, so it'll be a little more condensed. Don't have to stretch it out over a month. It'll be more like a two-week uh, sort of thing, a little over two weeks. Um, 
And guys, I'm excited for this because uh, we are aiming to record a podcast after each round, kind of give our takes observations, obviously, since Four Feathers was not in existence during that 2013 run. So um, I'm excited to jump back on the mic with you guys and recap some of these series. Uh, You have any uh, memories from that that you're really looking forward to reliving, Ron? Ooh, um, I mean, obviously, you know, 17 seconds is always going to be fun, and, and that's that's always a special one. Uh, the Seabrook goal comes to mind to to knock Detroit out. Um, but you know what? I'm gonna I'm just really gonna enjoy watching that Minnesota series again. Um, I just you know just because how dominant the Hawks were in that series. I mean, you sweep them. You know, I, I still remember you know how good Kane was in that series. Bickle had an unreal series, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, you know, they just they were clicking, and and I think especially after the crazy year, right? I mean, we're talking about you know, baseball potentially being a shortened season and everything right now. And how apropos that the 13 shortened season, you know, 48 games, the Hawks setting records of, you know, the best start out of the gate without a loss in regulation and how dominant they were capturing the president's trophy, you know, and then they do that in the first round. And I think every Hawks fan was just like, Oh, this, this team's not losing. Like they're going to the cup. They're going to win this thing. And, um, and so I think they're going to lose against Detroit. And then they obviously proved you wrong. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's it's interesting. I, I mean, you, you felt so good about it. And then it, and then I think especially once they came back against Detroit, because it really showed that resiliency again. You know, yeah, I was going to say, you can't, you can't sit there and tell me, though. We'll talk more after that Detroit series, but you can't sit there and yeah. tell me that after game four, you weren't scared for your fucking life. Oh, <laughs> no, I was I, I I was just I was almost disappointed. I like I'm trying to relive the, the emotions. I was just like, this this can't like really they're going to do this after this crazy good year. And then I still actually remember when game seven ended, I had like, I was at a friend's house watching the game and I had to like rush home. And so I was like in the car listening to it on the radio. And then I literally, I'm not even kidding. I shut my car off. And then I hear from four different houses cheering like three seconds later. And I'm like, did they win? Oh my God, did they win? I go running in the house and I turn it on really quick. And I'm like, oh my God, they won. Uh, So that was fun, but. Yeah, I think that the Minnesota series for me will be fun just because, again, the pure dominance over Minnesota. And let's be honest, Minnesota sucks. So that's always fun. Yeah. Tone, what are you looking forward to? I mean, everybody wants to ask the question, which run was the best? 10, 13, 15. And it's, it's, it's a really difficult question to answer for any Blackhawks fan. Like, they're... There's so much about that 10 team. They were they were a juggernaut, man. Like there was there was no getting by those guys. It was there's no way you can ever assemble a team that compares to the talent that was on that team. I mean, you're running out third and fourth lines that could be first and second lines on a lot of teams. Uh it was just incredible. And then you've got the the 2013 team that just dominated like Ron just uh, Ron just kind of uh, talked a little bit about it. They dominated out of the gate. Like you knew, you knew they should make it all the way to the final. And then there's the 15 run, and of course you win it at home. And there's a lot of magical moments there. But when you when you look at that 2013 team, and and Johnny, you just kind of talked about a few of them. The Detroit series, the 17 seconds. Just when you're talking about Hawks playoff series moments that like stand out in your mind those like those two the brent seabrook 
and the Dave Boland celebrations. Those to me, and, and maybe that's just because the 2013 season was the first season I was able to actually enjoy a Stanley Cup while being legally able to drink. Or maybe it's just those ones meant more. I'm not sure. I'm sure there's some sort of combination that's at play there. But those moments, to me, stand out more than anything that kind of happened in, in 2010 and 2015 outside of maybe the uh, the Kane winner in, in 10. So I'm excited to relive this again because it's probably some of the happiest moments that I had as a Hawks fan during that 2013 season. Um, I'm excited to jump on the mic and break some of these games down because we didn't have the opportunity to do that before. Yeah, so like I'd mentioned, we were going to do uh, one after each round. Last time we tried to do one after each game, and we did pretty well for a while, and then schedules got in the way, um, and they kind of got away from us. So figured more accomplishable goal so we can be in touch with our listeners still on a more regular basis, try and do one after each round. Now, um, I have a couple thoughts of what I'm looking forward to, but um, we'll keep our order here, and I'll let Austin um because you're located out in california now so you're not in the market and that is where uh these games are being aired and then obviously on the my team's app but you're not there so um you, you missing out man uh, especially you know the, like was it like that for 20 the 2010 run i don't think we had you for the beginning of that yeah so this yeah uh, when you go when you log on to the the app and you say okay what's your tv provider and you just get blocked by that. You're like, oh, whatever. I'll just watch Twitter, I guess. But uh, my my where was I moment in 2013, I actually have never seen the 17 seconds videos. I know how crazy that sounds, but I have it on a newspaper. Um, I was actually, this is ridiculous. I was working the Notre Dame hockey camp as a non-Notre Dame hockey player because I lived in the area. And... As that game was going on, all of the campers were in a big conference room with the TV. Um, and one of our little, what, 10 or 11-year-old campers got homesick. So they said, Austin, you know what? Why don't you go out in the hallway and uh, see how he's doing? And I said, okay, Blackhawks are losing. I'll see game seven. That's fine. Um, so I'm, I'm, I actually call the kid's dad. I'm on the phone with his dad trying to make him feel okay. And I hear this huge cheering from the room. Like, oh, great. This is awesome. And then, what, 17 seconds later, right, like another big uproar from the conference room. And I'm sitting there like, this is ridiculous. Like, I, I missed maybe, besides Kane's goal in 10, like the biggest moment in Blackhawks history happened. Um, and I'm sitting with a homesick camper at, at a camp that I don't even go to school at. But, you know, I – I will find a way to watch it and I will be there to watch the 17 seconds and I will be there to watch Dave Boland shed his gloves and, and celebrate the win. Yard sale. I think, I think we need to get Austin and Dave on the same podcast. Yeah. If you didn't know Austin, we've had Dave Boland on the show uh, right before the 2019, 20 season started. Um, so maybe he could tell you about that firsthand. What you missed. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think Dave would like that. I'm just going out on a limb here, Johnny. But knowing Dave, yeah. after talking to him on the last time we had him on this show, I think Dave would love to hear that and give you that firsthand experience of, of what that was all about and what it was like. Can I just say how cool it is to 
that you guys refer to him as Dave, like as a friend, like that is His like not the show like now. Dave Bolin, but my our good buddy Dave who joined the show. That's awesome. Yeah, friend that of the show. Incredible. I mean, he, he's awesome. I mean, you if you follow him on Twitter, obviously he's very interactive and he likes to you know uh, talk back when people like to talk smack to him. So um, th- that uh, you know was kind of what drew him drew us to him uh to get him on as a guest and he was super chill super cool uh when he came on uh, was drinking with us having some beers so uh just one of the dudes um and it was really cool to hear his firsthand stories so yeah uh if we can get him back on uh we should definitely have you on uh, and we will let him know that you missed that and the re- you will let you let him know um while you missed that and then maybe he can uh, share a laugh or two over that and tell you something from uh, the first hand experience there. Um, what, what I'm looking forward to though, um, just to close out the section on Hawks rewind here. Um, I was at game two of that Minnesota series in the first round and it was a pretty dominating effort. Um, but I had really good seats for it. So what I'm looking forward to is going back and seeing if I can locate myself on TV. Cause I was in the hundred level, maybe on the cutoff of the TV thing, but I want to see if I was ever in a reaction video, a celebration um, when they kind of pan over the crowd. Cause they believe they scored four goals in that game. So um, I'm looking forward to that one. And then obviously the uh, Detroit series, um, we'll get into this when uh, that Detroit series actually comes and we're recapping all of that, but um, as great as game seven was, and obviously that was the winner. That's always going to be the top, uh, moment there of that one. I really liked game six. Um, I was really dialed in and just the guys that scored in that one, Michael Hanzus, uh, Michael Froelich on a penalty shot. We get that awesome gif um, that we use so often of Froelich skating by the Red Wings bench, Babcock looking disgusted, Pavel Datsu kind of spitting on the ice after he goes by. So um, I'm looking forward to rewatching game six of the Detroit series. And then uh, some of those overtime games um, against the Bruins in the cup final, man. Um, pretty wild. Uh, yeah, Brent Seabrook, you got a winner there. You got I Love Shin Pads. Uh, so many great moments uh, that I just can't wait to relive, uh, watch again, uh, be excited about all over again, and then recap with you guys here on a Blackhawks on tap post game show. So, uh, like I said, Hawks Rewind, May 18th through June 2nd, 2013, Stanley Cup run. Um, time to move on here uh, to our special guest. We're going to spotlight him uh, since we've got Blackhawks D Zone Austin on here with us, a new on tap sports contributor. Well, I guess you're not new now. Um, you're over a month into this thing, uh, and it's been great having you on, man. But in the early days of Four Feathers, uh, when we were kind of doing our pilot and, and our episode two and three and all of that, um, still kind of introducing ourselves to our listeners. We had done a series of questions about just getting to know uh, each other as Hawks fans, and we all kind of went around the table and answered them. We've all done that already, but you have not. And this being your first podcast experience, we are going to put you through the ringer here. So first of all, uh, on Twitter, if you don't follow them already, it's at BlackhawksDZone. Um, that's Austin's Twitter handle, so go follow him if you don't. But first of all, I want to ask you why. Uh, why that? And I think we have a little bit of an idea, but um, give the listeners a uh, background on that. All right. So I, I started out with this huge idea that I created a Twitter called NHL DZone, and it lasted about two weeks. And my idea was to show highlights, but instead of talking about like how cool the goal was, was to break down the defense. So what went wrong? What were the mistakes? And I was watching like every game. I had two computers set up. I was trying to catch all the clips and it lasted about three days. And I was like, this, this is not going to work. I don't know how these Twitter accounts do it. 
So I said, okay, I'll focus on the Blackhawks. So Blackhawks D zone. So what I did for like the first two or three weeks is I just took all the goals that were scored against us, which was a lot because defensively we've been terrible the last two seasons. And I was breaking down what went wrong in each goal. And then once again, about two or three weeks of that, I said, this is ridiculous. Nobody is going to watch highlights of us getting scored on, you know, like the opposite of a highlight. So I realized, you know what, like, I'm just going to focus on like defensive pairs. I'm going to use my addiction to natural stat trick uh, for use and, and put stuff out. So I really started to, to focus on D pairs and kind of break down each period. And that's kind of where it started. And now, now I'm stuck with it. So I might as well keep it right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a good backstory. I was just wondering um, why you had picked that originally. Um, yeah, kind of good insight. And that kind of transitions us into our next question here. Um, what are your thoughts then on play overall? You can kind of go into certain guys if you feel the need to, but um, thought on the play of the defenseman from this past season. All right. So looking at this season, the Blackhawks had, they played 12 defensemen. If you count Bodine getting like that, that last game there at the end of the season. And there was only two teams in the NHL who had more than 12 defensemen play this year. The Detroit Red Wings, who we know what they're doing right now, right? And the Montreal Canadiens, who we're kind of in the same situation with. And, and that's kind of telling of the injuries, I think, in a way, right? We have Dahan who comes in, like, we need that defensive defenseman finally, and then he gets hurt. And we have, like, Connor Murphy, who's finally stepped up and is playing like top pair minutes, and then he gets hurt. And then you're just shuffling guys in and out, like Cuckoo, my man, like Slater Cuckoo is one of my favorite players. I don't, don't, don't ask me why. Like he just fits that like sixth, seventh defenseman so well. And when it's all said and done, like Oli Mata of all players played the most games for the Blackhawks defenseman this season. And when we got Mata from the uh, Pittsburgh, we were so worried about his health, right? He's had like some crazy health concerns, a lot of injuries, surgeries. He wasn't having a great year last year. And he ends up playing the most games by a defenseman. So I think all in all, like we're going in the right direction, but there was just too many injuries to really tell like where we're at as a group. Um, I think Adam Bulkvist took a step in the right direction. We all know that he has skills offensively, but I think defensively his game came a long way, and I think that's credit to Brian Campbell, who has been working with him for a long time since he was in London. Um, and then you have guys like like Dennis Gilbert come in and drop the gloves like what every other game, but then you start to realize, eh, he's not going to work out. So let's bring in Nick Sealer. We bring in Nick Sealer. He brings energy. He fights. Five games later, he's out of the lineup, and we don't know what to do with him. So – I think all in all, we're in the right direction. We have we have the pieces. If they stay healthy, I think we'll be fine. Like Duncan Keith is not going anywhere for at least another two years. That guy can play 60 minutes and be fine. So as long as you got him and Connor Murphy keeps trending in the right direction, I think we'll be fine. And like, I'm so excited about Ian Mitchell. That guy, he makes me so excited to be a Blackhawks fan. So hopefully he plays right away. I think he will and, and make a difference. So... Austin, you mentioned, uh, you know, some of the young defensemen uh, on the Blackhawks, you know, roster and, and even really, I guess, kind of guys that 
literally only played one game and are still definitely prospects. You know, what are some of your thoughts on those young Blackhawks defensemen and some of these D prospects? You know, does anybody stand out in particular to you? Maybe one or two guys that you're really excited about? So I'll go with, I'll talk about uh, one player who, who made an impact this year and then one guy who might be kind of off everybody's radar. Um, Lucas Carlson, I thought, showed signs of being um, what the Blackhawks needed, right? He had he had good feet. He was quick out of the zone. Um, he was quick to pucks. He may not be the most physical guy, but but he closes in on guys fast, and I think that's what they need. Um, I think he definitely needs more experience like a lot of them, uh, but I think he, he has potential to be someone who could who could maybe fill out like a, a third pair with a really good defensive defenseman and let Carlson kind of uh, use his feet and jump up in the play. But the other guy who I've, I've been on for a long time now, and I don't think a lot of people look that much at is Cole Moberg. Uh, he was a 2019 pick in the seventh round. So I think he gets lost in the shuffle a little bit with all these defensive prospects we have. The guy is six foot three and he moves like he's six foot, six foot, maybe like five eleven. He's got great feet. Uh, he plays right now in the WHL with the uh, Prince George Cougars. Uh, this season, he had 37 points, which isn't a ton. I think he played like 60 games or so. But the guy is a stud. He's huge. I think the Blackhawks' defense needs size. I think that's one thing they're lacking. Like, Duncan Keith can only do so much. Um, Adam Bogfist can only do so much. Um, they're They're just... They don't have a lot of size back there, and I think Cole Moberg is a guy that that hopefully we hear. He's played four years in the WHL. I don't know what what's coming up with him, or if he's even in talks with the Blackhawks. But I hope he is because I think he could be a stud. Um, and then obviously Alec Regula, who we all know is we got him in a trade with Brendan Perlini. And if we can trade Brendan Perlini for an everyday NHL defenseman, I think. We won that trade by a mile. Um, he was teammates with Adam Bookfuss in London, so he's got that experience. Uh, he played in Chicago in the USHL, so he has that connection there. So hopefully we sign him and we get him going. Um, I think all in all, we're heading in the right direction. Um, the NHL is moving to smaller defensemen who can move the puck and, and jump up in the plays. Like We look at guys like Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr, and I think – even like Ian Mitchell, I can see him jumping right in and making an impact. Pair him with Connor Murphy on the second pair and just let him do his thing, like use his feet, jump up into play. So I think I think we're headed in the right direction. It's going to be another one or two years of just, just lackluster defensive play for the Blackhawks. But I think after we get to those two or three years and we get these guys like Ian Mitchell and Adam Bookfist is playing – like we all know he can, I think we'll be just fine. Yeah, uh, really quick before Tony jumps in with the uh, question that he has prepped for you, um, I just wanted to say that Cole Moberg, uh, when he said that name, me and Ron, our eyes both shot up. Uh, we are both huge fans of him. I covered the um, Blackhawks development camp last year when they had that scrimmage at Fifth Third Arena, and he, like you had said, um, all those things, He, I can totally attest 
Uh, can confirm, as I would say, on Letter Kenny, he moves uh, like he is much smaller than he actually is, and he's six foot three. Um, and even then, he has a decent shot as well. Uh, he blasted home a clap bomb goal in that scrimmage. So um, that's a, definitely an under the radar name that Ron and I have at least been keeping an eye on. So I uh, just wanted to butt in and say that since you brought up that name, uh, not a very common name here amongst these Blackhawk circles, but uh, we'll talk about it here on Four Feathers uh, if it is brought up. So, uh, Tony, go ahead. Didn't mean to steal the thunder there, but just had to chime in. All's good, Jenny. So, uh, Austin, uh, obviously, Johnny and I talked about this on the last show extensively. Uh, we haven't actually got Ron's thoughts on this either, so maybe he can chime in on the back end of this one uh, real quick. But uh, John McDonough, fired by the Blackhawks. We talked a little bit about that uh, on this show already, but uh, let's get your thoughts on what that means for the Blackhawks and just how you feel about John McDonough being relieved of his duties. So I, this is an interesting one because for so long we've heard like Stan has to go. He's not the guy he's, we got to move on from this. And then the Blackhawks are like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll show our fans that we're ready to move on. Let's fire John McDonough. Like I, I, I didn't see that coming. I don't think anybody did. And and I think it's a front, to be honest. I think it's it's their way of saying, you know what? We're changing things around here. We're not looking to the past anymore. It's it's a new decade, right? We got to move forward. We had our cups. Let's move on. But I think when it's all said and done, it doesn't change much of the product that we get on the ice. And I think it's it's such an odd firing to me because – if you if you really want to shake things up, like get rid of Stan. That's that's what a lot of fans have been pulling for. I don't know how realistic it is. I I'm kind of on the fence with with Stan Bowman, but the firing John McDonough is kind of like for me. It's like okay, we hear what you're saying, we know that you're frustrated. We'll get rid of John McDonough, but we still have basically the same hockey operations team. We just don't have the marketing. So, I I I think. They're ready to move on, but I think this whole pause and play has really kind of kind of made them step back and say, okay, we, we can't do anything major yet. And I think that was just kind of their way of saying, you know what, we hear you, we are moving on, but, but maybe not quite yet. We're going to stick with Stan Bowman for, for a little bit longer. So I, I was shocked like everybody. It's, but I, it doesn't change the product on the ice at the end of the day. So we'll see. Ron, any quick thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it was long overdue. Uh, truthfully, I think I, the problem was, in my opinion, is McDonough's not a hockey guy, and I, I, I know for sure that he had his hand in a lot of the hockey decisions. Uh, I would like to think that that might be part of the reason that he and Stan were giving out no trade clauses like it was candy on Halloween. Um, you know, and it just a lot of people kind of playing off what Austin said. A lot of people were calling for Stan's head for so long, but you know, even if you had fired Stan, they were just going to hire another puppet to be McDonough's puppet. So it has to start at the top if you're going to truly make change. Um, now, granted, I'm hoping that change continues to bleed through the organization. And obviously, you know, you get a new face in there at GM instead of Bowman. And, you know, maybe they break up hockey ops and business ops into two different positions instead of one like McDonough was um, to be the president. So that way, you know, if Danny Wirtz wanted to be the business president, he could. And then you have a, a real hockey guy come in and be the the, you know, on ice personnel, you know, hockey operations piece. So 
Um, I was I was shocked. Don't get me wrong. I, I didn't think that it would happen at this time necessarily. Uh, but in my opinion, I think it was overdue. So give me a name, Ron. And I'm going to go round table with this. The way too early pick for the guy that replaces John McDonough. Ron, go. Oh, Jesus. Um, oof, that is a really tough one. Um, man, I don't know. That's like, that's the craziest question. I, I, I can't even think of a name. Uh, I don't even know who's like available or even like thinking about moving. Or... Um, you got thirty seconds. I- I'll tell you, it won't be anybody in house. Um, I don't think Stan gets bumped up into that role. I don't think MacGyver takes that role. I don't think any of those guys take that role. Um, Ten. I'm gonna throw it out on a whim. Maybe Dale Talon comes back. Johnny. There you go. Uh, way too early. Uh, yeah, I'm with Ron that I haven't done too much uh, research on it. But, hey, the, one of the names that's been floated, it's a sexy name. We all know him in Chicago. Eddie O. Eddie Olchek. Uh, that's my way too early one. Austin. Austin. So I'm I'm a nerd when it comes to this kind of stuff. So, like, Scott Powers put out a piece at the beginning of May talking about Mike Gillis. And Mike Gillis as a guy who's, who's a, a good hockey mind, but he's very – analytically driven and i i think the blackhawks are hesitant to go that way um because they're very old school franchise i feel like but but with jeremy colleton he's a new age coach and i think a guy like mike gillis he has a lot of good understanding about how to use uh hockey analytics and like a more i don't know how you could say it not just like numbers but use it to your advantage on the ice and i think I don't know. I, I think they do keep Danny Warts in the mix, and then they hire someone to run the hockey side of things. Who that will be, I I honestly have no idea. That's We need – who knows? We need someone to come in who is ready to, to kind of like start over almost, but, but keep our, our veterans engaged, I guess. And I've got that name time. for you. I've got that name for you. Chris right. Chelios. Oh, my God. He, I don't know. He's too tan. <laughs> He's not a Chicago guy. He's, I don't know. I you live out in California. Heaven. You're too tan to be on this podcast. No, I'm, I'm, way, I'm way too too white to be living in California. Trust me. Uh, I'm just giving you <laughs> shit, man. Uh, that's, you know, the interesting uh, prospect there. But, uh, Tony, let's get the fun stuff. Hit him with you. Hit him with yeah, your yeah. next question. Speaking, we can get more of, students yeah, speaking, speaking of Chris Chelios, who's your favorite Blackhawks player of all time? It's probably no surprise. I'm going to pick a defenseman. And that's Nicholas Jalmerson. That's He's why I thought he was going with Chelios. No, no, no. Jalmerson is like, if I could trade places with anyone in the world, it would be Nicholas Jalmerson. Like, he is handsome. He's a good dresser. He probably has a very attractive wife. He's Swedish, so you know that they're nice. They're and he can guys. put together IKEA furniture, I'm pretty sure. Yes, and I'm sure he's a handyman. He okay, when when we talked about the, the 2013 playoffs a little bit ago and how they're doing that Hawks rewind, I I don't know if I want to put myself through seeing Jalmerson score 
in game seven against the Red Wings and then get it called off because Brandon Saad and whoever the Red Wings player were basically jumping on each other across the ice and they disallowed his goal and my heart yeah, ran to the back of my stomach. So Brandon, there was no penalty there. That was such there was shit. no penalty. No, that was no the most Brandon ridiculous Saad thing I've ever seen. Yeah. But Jomerson is like, since since he left the Blackhawks, we haven't been the same. Like that, that was like the major turning turning point for the Blackhawks. Like, you you lose a guy like that who everybody respects. Like that guy eats pucks. That's just, and he doesn't take credit for it ever. He's like, he's a team guy, and and I I feel bad for him now that he's going through a lot of injuries, but. You just nice. said that whole That's... thing, and then Google responded back with, were you searching for Marion Hosa? No, no, no. I'm a big – I mean, there's so many Blackhawks to choose from in the past, what, 15 years, like all the way back to to Jeremy Roenick, if you want to go there. But, like, Nicholas Jalmerson, he's just like – he's a handsome guy, and he's good at hockey, so I'll take him. Yeah, I'm not dumping on this at all, and I love Nicholas Jalmerson. Utmost respect for him. Um, wish it could have been around here longer, but at the same time, uh, you'd mentioned those injuries. Um, how much would it have actually been playing? Um, say those same injuries that happened in Arizona happened here. It would have been, you know, we would have, you know, loved to have him as a personality, someone who helped us, uh, win those, you know, cups, um, the guy in the locker room totally. But at the same time, you see how impatient people get. I guarantee people will be like, why the hell did we keep Jalmerson around? I guarantee you get those takes. Not saying it's right, but I'm just saying, calling it like it is. If you would have missed as many games as he did for those first couple of years in Arizona as he did, uh, or you know, if that was the case here in Chicago. Look so, how many people hate Seabrook. Uh, yeah, exactly. What? Yeah. Like who? Who can hate Seabrook? When people yeah. hate Seabrook. Yeah, that they think he's the worst. Like bench him. Like they're happy that he was injured. Who can hate? Seabrook, like that guy never Blast did anything me. wrong. Blast that guy me. never did anything wrong. The only one who did anything wrong in that situation was Stan Bowman. Yeah. All right, let's move it along, Ron. Uh, hit us with the next one. All right, Austin. This is a good piggyback, actually, off of the last question. What is your favorite Blackhawks moment of all time and why? All right. So we're talking, talking 2015 playoffs. Game one against the Predators, Corey Crawford completely shits the bed. He gives up three goals in the first period, and out comes Scott Darling, who steals the show. He makes 42 saves. They go to, what, double overtime, I think it was, maybe at least one overtime. And Duncan Keith scores right from the point. And he plays a couple more games. He keeps them in it, and they go on to win the Cup. Like, without Scott Darling in that situation – I think there there's no cup that year, and that's just a testament to like what a guy Scott Darling was at that time. Like he'd played for like 17 different teams in his career, and came in and was ready to go. And I and he makes like incredible saves. Like if you look up Scott Darling on YouTube, the first thing you see is him robbing some Predators player. I think Ryan Ellis backdoor with like the blade of his skate. So I mean that's. That's my favorite moment of all time. I know it's pretty recent, and it's kind of showing my age in a way, but, like, 
that was huge for us. And we had that with uh, Ray Emery in years past. Like we've always had good, good backup goalies who come in and kind of like keep the Blackhawks alive. Um, so that's definitely my favorite moment. Just seeing Scott Darling take over and pretty much carry them to the second round. So I've got a, I've got a funny little story that piggybacks off that one. And uh, Johnny and, and Ron, you may appreciate this one. Uh, I met Jake Trojan, friend of the show, the day after uh, that that game it was my job interview. And I show up to the job interview. I'm in a full suit. And Jake Trojan walks in after staying up after that overtime. And he's in a Blackhawks hoodie. And he's interviewing me for my position. And he walks in in the Blackhawks hoodie. I'm like, you watched that game last night, didn't you? And he goes, yeah, yeah, watch that game. And I go, oh, dude, that was fucking sweet, wasn't it? And that's how I got my job. That's awesome. That's how I met Jake. That's amazing. The, the yeah. day after that. Yeah. yeah. Excellent story. I love to hear stuff like that. And hopefully uh, spring some of these memories can bring up some more good stories as we go through on a Blackhawks on tap post game show. So Austin moving this thing along here, we've only got a couple more questions for you. Um, this is a hot topic on four feathers. And I wanted to reserve this one for me to ask because I am the lone in the room who always defends this. Um, first of all, the question is what is your favorite Jersey and why? And I am to the grave. The white Jersey is the best Jersey in not only hockey, all sports. Um, whereas some other guys have different opinions. Um, so let's air it out. Here are yours, and then we can debate a little bit here. So right off the bat, the red jerseys are the best jerseys in professional sports. So I'll start with that. But that's not my pick. Johnny's, like, biting his tongue right now. I know. Those are the best jerseys in sports. But I'm going to I'm gonna throw it back. I'm going to say the worst jerseys of all time first, and then I'll go with my best. The worst jerseys of all time are the black and white jerseys. Any variation where it's just black and white. If you do not have red on a Blackhawks jersey, it's, it's not the same. You have to have red somewhere. In the feathers, in a stripe somewhere, the black and white jerseys drive me nuts. Like the black with the white stripes, I can't stand it. And I know that's like a throwback to like the 20s and 30s, but I can't do it. My favorite jerseys of all time, I don't know. I don't know what people's takes are on this, so I'm just going to throw it out. And I, who, who cares? Is the 2009 Winter Classic jerseys. Yes! Which have, which yes! have the, the yes! tan right across the middle. And they wore those in the 30s. Like those, like the tan, give me vintage, like leather. I will buy that. Like I had a buddy who, who was a goalie in college. And he, he bought old, uh, like leather goalie pads to play with. And he got so much shit because of it. And I said, dude, you wear those pads every freaking game, man. Those are awesome. If you throw any, like, light tan on a jersey, uniform, pants, goalie pads, they are the shit. Like, those are the best jerseys in hockey. Yeah, that's why I love to get opinions because everyone's so heated about it. And this is always so polarizing on uniforms. And I am... Like I said, to the grave, white jerseys. You are, in my opinion, you are suppressing and um, diluting the greatest logo in all of sports by putting on anything other than white. Um, and don't get me wrong, I, the, the red jerseys still look great on ice and with the stripe, the combination on that. But if you're going for ultimate pop, ultimate best look, 
what they used to wear at home, which I also am a big proponent of change back to the home white jerseys. Oh, man, you, you can't beat the white, uh, white black cock sweaters. Um, I, I own like three of them and I plan to get more. You guys got any thoughts, Ron, Tony? Because I know, yeah. uh, Tony, you just sprung up on the Winter Classic, which I love those, too. I mean, it's, it's we're Dude, so blessed. that Winter Classic First jersey, I've got, the, I've got the Hosa 09 Winter Classic jersey. Man, that's my favorite jersey. Like, I just love, I love, I loved that look. The only thing that pisses me off about that, and, and Johnny, you can, you can probably sympathize with me on this one, is that they wore those at Wrigley. So I feel like a little dirty wearing it, but it's it's still such a badass jersey. Yeah, that's why you got to get the one when it's an alternate, not the actual winter. Yeah, classic. I, did. I got the, I got the one on that I got the alternate one because I didn't want the whole Wrigley Field thing going on there. There was Rock. intention there because Wrigley Field's the worst place in America. <laughs> We'll save that for another one. Ron, uh, chime in uh, on some jerseys here because I love some jersey talk. And we've all got different opinions, and it's great. I love it. Yeah. Them. I mean, I've I've definitely – so I think when my, my Blackhawks fandom started, it was all about the red for me. Um, I've grown much more of an appreciation for the white because I do agree it does make the logo pop much more. Um, I've actually bought three white jerseys in the last maybe year. Um, of different variations, one being a Tomas Kopetsky jersey, uh, which is just an absolute throwback, and I love it. Um, honestly, I was a huge lover of the original alternate blacks, which were just the standard jersey, but with the black, with the red stripes, the white numbers. I have a Patrick Kane one in that color scheme um, that they ditched and actually ended up ditching for the 2009 Winter Classic jersey as their alternate. Uh, I loved those. Those were my favorite. And so I guess the close second for me is the stadium series soldier field jerseys because that was kind of a tribute to those um those both are, are great jerseys i actually have a stadium series uh nick jolmerson jersey um that i i do enjoy very much so that's probably for me i loved the black i know everybody's like well if, unless your team colors are actually black you shouldn't have a black jersey well they're the black hawks let them wear the black bla- yeah you're the black hawks man it's red, All three white, of them are colors. Like when you look at the right. straight pattern, it's like red, white, black. Like you can't go exactly. wrong. With, like you exactly. Know, that's that's so, where I like people that get hung up on the blacks. That's yeah, the great I thing about the budget. So everybody has their opinions here. Um, Austin, we're about to wrap this thing up. Uh, we appreciate you joining us so much. So, um, you got any final thoughts here uh, on anything before uh, we go? And then also plug where we can find your work. Obviously, besides unhipsportsnet.com. So the people know where to follow you on social media because it's a goddamn crime. You're under 200 followers on Twitter right now. Uh, don't remind me, man. That's like my livelihood. Uh, I'm on <laughs> I'm on Twitter. My wife's like, what are you doing, man? Nobody is watching this. Like, nobody cares what you're doing. And I'm like, give it time. Give it time, sweetie. No, but seriously, um, it's an, it's awesome to be a part of uh, ONTAP Sportsnet with you guys. I, I'm excited that Tony reached out to me again and, and asked if I wanted to join. I I was kind of like at home, you know, we're all working from home and I needed something to do. And, and what better time to talk about hockey than when there's no hockey to watch. So uh, I, it's awesome to be here um, with the draft coming up. I don't know what the Blackhawks are going to do right now. They're, they're at like a nine, 10 spot, the way that the, the layout shakes out. I, it's not a very deep draft and I don't think, I know a lot of talk has been about a goalie, like that Russian goalie. 
Um, I don't, I don't know if they're going to go with that because they have like what four goalies signed. They have Malcolm Subban that they got to figure out what to do with him. They're probably just going to let him walk, Malcolm which is fine with me. Subban. Yeah, which is fine. They didn't even give him one game. So I mean, you're kind of you kind of told them what your plan was with him when you sat him for ten games in a row. But um, a defenseman that I really hope they get is Jake Sanderson. He's a USA kid. He's huge. Uh, he's almost six foot two. He battles hard. He's good in defensive zone. He would be like a perfect pair for Adam Boakvist, who can run and gun, and then you have a guy like him to, to stay home. Um, Jamie Drysdale, he's going to be the first defensive pick. He's going to go top five. We're not going to be there for him. So I think Jake Sanderson is a guy to watch out for if he falls to like that nine or ten spot. I don't know if they're going to take a defenseman. People would probably be upset if they did. They have plenty of defensemen in their prospect pool, but – I mean, you can't have too many of them, I think. Yeah, it's like it's, how many of them do actually pan out, though? That's the Yeah, it's it's hit and miss with defensemen. And it, it sometimes it takes a year, sometimes it takes four years. And I think we'll, we'll see. But uh, overall, I hope we have hockey soon. But I don't I don't I don't I don't know if it's going to happen. I want to be an optimistic, but I don't think it's going to happen, guys. Give me Askarov or give me death. <laughs> That's, That's the Russian goalie. Yeah. Are we doing? Name. Are we doing final thoughts here, Johnny? Yeah, let, let, let's roll final thoughts here, uh, Austin. Once again, uh, thank you so much for uh, all the commentary you brought here. Run, uh, help us close this thing out with your final thought. Then we'll go, Tony, and back to me. Yeah, no, it was it was cool jumping back on with you guys, Austin. It was an absolute joy being on with you. I love listening to you break down defensemen, and I, your content is fantastic. So it is an absolute travesty that you're only around 200 followers. We'll change that for you. Um, but no, it was a good episode. It was, it was fun talking to you guys again. I love the banter and just going back and forth. Um, one thing I think I'll, I'll conclude with just kind of echoing something I said earlier in the show is there's no Brandon slots lander over here. So, but that's all I got for tonight. Tony. I think we missed the most important thing in Blackhawks news on this podcast and that's the fact that Jeremy Carlton grew a fucking mustache and you know what that Uh means you know what that means guys I've said it before Johnny and you know you know exactly what I'm talking about mustaches mean success better keep that mustache but more importantly than the mustache did anybody know that Jeremy Carlton was missing one of his front teeth because I did not, and it nope, threw me it. off. Yeah. It threw me like off. That, that came out of the woodworks because he was not active on it, but everyone just kind of discovered he had a Twitter account that yeah. randomly posted so, that picture so, that you're talking about. So that leads me to the next question. What do you think Jeremy Colleton thinks of me after some of the Jeremy Colleton rants that I've gone on? Because you goddamn well know. Jeremy Colleton has been watching all of us the entire time. I'm going to go ahead and say that he hasn't. Um, he's too inactive on there. He has not seen that. So um, doubt he's the type of guy that goes and searches his name on there, to be honest with you, Tony. Ron? I don't know, man. Uh, I think if he has seen it, he's just ignoring it because he's Mr. Cool, calm, and everything that Tony hates. So, um, 
<laughs> but hey, man, maybe he listened to you. Maybe he's like, I heard these these guys over at uh, this on task yeah. sports net talking well, about mustaches you, equals success. So I'm growing this bitch yeah, out. Yeah, but do you remember we we criticized a few things during the season, Johnny? And all of a sudden, after we talked about it, they changed. Yeah, I I mean a valid point. Yeah. And it's not just, I'm not, just trying to, I'm not saying I'm not trying to say that it was it was four feathers doing it, but there were multiple things going on in, in, in Blackhawks Twitter that were talked about. And all of a sudden things changed and then there was success. And, you know, exactly the, the period in the year that I'm talking about right here. Things changed very quickly. How do you get that feedback? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you log it's... on your phone at night when you're laying awake because you just blew five games in a row, and you're scrolling through that Twitter and you see Pat Comiskey just lighting you up. <laughs> yeah, got to got to get a Pat Comiskey reference in here since he uh, can't make it on this show. Uh, we hope to get him back soon here. Um, yeah, Tony. Tinfoil hat theory time. I think we might have to bring it over from Socks on Tap uh, over here to Four Feathers to finish them out in the future. The tinfoil hat Tony time. Yeah, there's always, always. Um, But my uh, closing thoughts, um, I'll go back to jerseys. Um, Man, uh, the white jersey, if you haven't, uh, pick yourself up one. Then go and set it side by side next to the 18 red jerseys that you have. I guarantee you'll gain a greater appreciation for it. So that's my final thought on it. Also, I hope we can have hockey, but I don't foresee it either way. Four Feathers will be here for you every step of the way. Um, we are the official Blackhawks coverage unit for the ONTAP Sportsnet. Be sure to go and follow us over at, at ONTAP Sportsnet on Twitter and Instagram. Same with us uh, at Four Feathers Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And then you can find all of our articles, podcasts, all of that good stuff at ONTAPSportsnet.com. So, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Let's close it out how we always do. Let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks, baby. Let's go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.